Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. On today's episode, we continue our examination of the October 25, 2021 hearing, which features Judge Schrader's controversial ruling to allow complaining witnesses, the men shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, to be referred to as rioters, looters, and arsonists, but not as victims. That's coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. During the afternoon session of the October 25, 2021 hearing, the parties continued to argue over motions in limine by both sides. A motion in limine is simply an effort by one of the parties to get the judge to prevent the introduction of matters at trial which are irrelevant, inadmissible, or prejudicial. Judge Schrader addresses the motion in limine filed by the prosecution, seeking to prevent the parties from using the words rioters, looters, and or arsonists to describe the complaining witnesses, whom Schrader had previously ruled could not be called victims or alleged victims. Now, we were talking about the motion of the uh, state regarding the motion in limine, the reference about terminology to be applied, which the state fears the defense may apply to these folks, I would tell you that I I don't think I'm inclined at all towards prior restraint. I would encourage restraint in opening statement, but let the evidence show what the evidence shows. And if the evidence shows that any or more than one of these people were engaged in, in arson, rioting, or looting, then I'm not going to tell the defense they can't call them that. I think, Your Honor, if I were to count the number of times that you've admonished me not to call someone a victim during a trial, it would be in the thousands. You you made that point, and and, and this is a long-held opinion of mine, which very few judges, I guess, share with me, and I've talked with others uh, around the state, and they're scratching their heads, why is Schrader doing that? And uh, I think it's a loaded, the word victim is a loaded, loaded word. And I think alleged victim is a cousin to it. Prosecutor Binger pushes back on the distinction that the judge is trying to make. I respectfully disagree, Your Honor. I think it's the exact same issue. The terms that I'm identifying here, such as rioters, looters, arsonists, are as loaded, if not more loaded, uh, than the term victim, Your Honor. 
And I've had a tri- many trials with you, Your Honor, where there has been evidence that uh, a, a person has suffered some sort of injury at the, at the hands of the defendant, and you have still not allowed me to call them a victim, even after the evidence has come in, because there's been no jury determination. I don't determination. think you're accurate about that. I am talking about the, the use of the term victim in regular discourse, uh, not in final argument, when you're arguing that the person was the victim of a crime. I, I my, think that my recollection is different, Your Honor, but I, I think I think. The the overall point the court is concerned about is that we are labeling someone when ultimately it's the jury's call. We are labeling them before the jury makes their decision. And your concern with the term victim, as I understand it, is... You need to tell me that if you called, if you in final argument said to the jury, Kyle Rittenhouse is a cold-blooded killer, that would be, you don't think that you'd be allowed to do that? I think I should be. I think I should be allowed okay, to call so people a victim, too. why can't he call the victim an arsonist if that's what he thinks he can prove? Your Honor, I, I have practiced in most of the courts in this county, and other than you, as you rightly pointed out, the other judges do allow us to call people victims, even at the beginning in, in a in an opening statement. Um, and I would like to be able to do that in your court, but you've made it clear to me that we can't. And I think your concern there is that it is a loaded term. We are telling the jury something when there's been no judicial determination of that. And I think that's your, that's your reason for prohibiting the use of that term. I disagree. My point in this motion, Your Honor, is twofold. One is it's a double standard, and you've indicated you don't agree with that. So I'm going to move to my second point, and which, which is part of a uh, another motion in limine here, which is uh, my motion in limine number three, which is also in dispute. And that is that on this particular evening, we've already heard uh, characterizations of behavior by Mr. Rosenbaum that night, by Mr. Huber that night. Uh, I don't know if there's been a lot about Mr. Grosskreutz, but their behavior that night has nothing to do with this case unless it was witnessed by the defendant. This is going to be a case about self-defense. So we're going to talk about the defendant's state of mind. And you said earlier in this hearing, and I agree with you, his state of mind is the most important thing in this case. And if there are things he witnessed with his own eyes, by Mr. Huber, Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Grosskreutz, I have no problem with that because it does go to his state of mind. But the defense wants to argue, for example, that Mr. Rosenbaum, uh, we have a well-known video of him uh, at the ultimate gas station that evening saying certain inflammatory things to other people. There is no evidence that I'm aware of that the defendant witnessed that. He's probably seen the video since, but that particular night, he wasn't there, didn't see it, didn't hear it, didn't know anything about it. So, why would that be relevant? If it is witnessed by the defendant, it goes to his state of mind. If it wasn't, it's another act. It is another act because the only purpose of introducing it would be either for some legitimate purpose like knowledge or intent or motive or to show that Mr. Rosenbaum acted in conformity, that it's his character, which is impermissible. We don't allow that type of character evidence. So my motion eliminate number three asks this court to rule that Anything that Mr. Rittenhouse didn't personally witness that night on behalf of of the three individuals that I've named is not admissible. Defense attorney Corey Sharafasi rises in rebuttal. He argues that the shootings by Kyle Rittenhouse must be evaluated in the context of the totality of the evidence of the night of August 25th. All of the facts and circumstances surrounding what is going on is relevant in terms of Kyle Rittenhouse's conduct. I think it's impossible to say that it's not. And for him to limit and say what happened that evening, it's the same course of conduct. That's like me saying what I said to you 10 seconds earlier is other acts, because I'm not saying it right now. It's 
one course of conduct that happened. Mr. Rosenbaum never left. Mr. Grosskreutz never left. Mr. Huber never left. And Mr. Rittenhouse never left. They're all there the entire night. And this is what's going on. Mr. Rosenbaum is walking around with weapons. He's threatening people. He's threatening to kill people. He's starting fires. He's pushing lit dumpsters toward gas stations. All of that stuff is part and parcel of the facts and circumstances under the totality of the circumstances. It is, right, it is not, we're not asking that there be McMorris evidence admitted of things that Kyle's aware of that he's done in the past. But to say this whole case comes down to those three minutes in a vacuum without taking everything else that is going on, is, it's illogical based on the, based on the case. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. After Sharafasi finishes his rebuttal, Judge Schrader expresses sympathy for the argument, saying in part that precedent holds, quote, an accused may introduce pertinent evidence of the character of the victim as in support of a claim of self-defense to a charge of homicide, end quote. Thomas Binger again challenges the judge's view. Point that I want to make, Your Honor, that, uh, that is uh, akin to what you had said when you ruled against us on the CVS video and on the fight at the lake. You believed that there was no factual commonality between those prior events and what the defendant did on the night of August 25th. What I'm hearing the defense say is, for example, Mr. Rosenbaum started fires that night. Well, that has nothing to do with the allegation that he chased after Mr. Rittenhouse and tried to physically attack him. Arsonist or alleged arson has nothing to do with an alleged physical assault. There is an argument that Mr. Rosenbaum was shouting racial slurs. That has nothing to do with a physical assault. There's an allegation that he's telling other people at, at Ultimate Gas Station to shoot him, which clearly is different than what was going on with Mr. Rittenhouse. Um, he clearly didn't want Mr. Rittenhouse to shoot him, so I don't see that there's any commonality there. So this is bad character evidence, Your Honor. This is an attempt to tell the jury Mr. Rosenbaum's a bad guy and deserved to die. That's really what's going on here, Your Honor. And that's not at all what 90404 allows. And if there were any evidence in this case, and I would, I would love to hear it, because I haven't seen it. If there was any evidence in this case that Mr. Rosenbaum physically attacked anyone else that night, chased anyone else that night, assaulted anyone else that night, threatened anybody with a weapon that night, we can talk about that. But I don't hear any evidence to that effect. All we're talking about is arson. We're talking about being loud and disorderly. We're talking about you know, I, being I can't believe some of the things you're saying. I mean, all we're rioter. talking about is arson. Come on. Are, are arson to a dumpster, Your Honor? Yes. Arson I, to, well, uh, pushing towards the gas station, they claim. Yeah, they, uh, and he whether pushed, it's or not. It's, he didn't push it towards the gas station. You know, he pushed it in the middle of the road This idea, there's a, there's a zone where it's, it's okay that it's unsafe uh, south of Sheridan Road because the police are only going, or uh, 60th Street, because the police are only going down uh, 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 that far south. So I guess everybody lives at his risk. 
past that? I don't know what you're saying. That's not what I said, Your Honor. And Mr. Rosenbaum did not push the dumpster towards a gas station. I don't know. He, along with a number of other people, were allegedly putting things in the road to block the police bearcats. That's what was going on. Okay. All right. Let's talk. Let's say that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And? That has nothing to do with what he alleged was alleged to have done to Mr. Rittenhouse. has nothing to do with it. They have nothing in common. All right. Uh, do we need any more discussion on this? No, we don't. All right. With that terse conclusion to the tense exchange, Judge Schrader confirms his ruling that the defense may refer to the men shot by Kyle Rittenhouse as perpetrators of crimes if the defense can offer evidence that they are guilty of those crimes. Binger moves on to his next motion. Motion number four, which has to do with the um, pending or, or proposed uh, civil claims on behalf of the families and Mr. Grosskreutz. The defense wants to introduce that evidence, I assume, based on their response, because it goes to bias. You know, these are things that occurred after August 25th. I have to tell you, this is classic bias evidence. I mean, this is classic bias evidence. The fact that, the, the, that Mr. Grosskreutz, as an example, has a claim pending against the city or the county or both or neither, whatever, uh, arising out of claims that he makes in terms of incident in which he was injured, uh, that he's got a civil case pending, that, that's classic bias evidence. So if he testifies, you're saying this will be evidence that can be used to attack him in terms of bias, impeach his credibility? I would say yes. Okay. Mr. Rosenbaum and Mr. Huber are not going to testify. So there's no issue of bias. Do you have another point that you want to make? I'm sorry? Go on to your next point. Well, my motion pertains to those witnesses as well. Um, I understand the court's ruling as as Mr. Grosskreutz, if he testifies, if the defense is intending to introduce any evidence as to civil claims that have been filed on behalf of the families of Mr. Rosenbaum and Mr. Huber, that can't go to bias because they're not witnesses. After this last pointed statement from Binger, Judge Schrader appears to be tempted to respond to Binger's sarcasm, but instead addresses the prosecution's motion directly. It's admissible as bias evidence because it can affect the veracity of the witness's statement. The witness has an economic interest in the outcome of this proceeding. And, if there are parties to that correct, and, and so obviously Mr. Grosskreutz is in a different situation. And he correctly points out if Mr. Huber's father, for example, were to testify in the case with some factual information, which I have heard nothing to suggest that's going to happen, then he would be subject to examination for bias as well. So yes, if he filed a suit, it could be brought up. But other than that, no, they can't bring this in and show, well, they, these people are these people who were killed must be biased because their survivors filed a lawsuit. That doesn't, it, it's allowed only because it bears on the credibility of a specific witness. Binger's final motion before the court seeks to compel all attorneys to refer to the defendant as Mr. Rittenhouse. There is a final motion in limine that was not responded to by the defense. That's uh, number six, uh, that all parties refer to the defendant, the deceased, and witnesses formally by their last names, such as Mr. Rittenhouse or Mr. Rosenbaum. Obviously, we can refer to Mr. Rittenhouse as the defendant as well. I'm concerned, Your Honor, because during these motion hearings, oftentimes the defense is referred to by his first name, Kyle, and I don't think that's appropriate. And I will tell you that the standard rule in here, and has been for probably since 1983, is that anyone who is um, uh, uh, of age will be addressed as Mr. Because I don't like it when the bank president gets called Mr. and then some other guy gets called Joe. The only exception that I make is that the defense attorney is permitted to call 
his or her client by a first name. And I've always employed that, and I don't see any reason to change it in this case. Understood. Now, you can't, but uh, <laughs> that's the way the rule that I operate with is that it's his client because people don't expect that kind of formality between the client and the attorney, whereas uh, other than that, uh, everybody has to use formal mode of address. And with that, Judge Schrader delivers the defense a clean sweep of decisions in the October 25th hearing. We will be sure to explore the emerging dynamic between Judge Schrader and Prosecutor Binger in our recap episode at the end of the week. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we examine the jury selection process of this trial and Judge Schrader's conversations with the potential jurors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Amalia Mathewson. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Korenik. And it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. And trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.